0: Amen. Amen. Don't you love to sing about the goodness of God? Amen. Amen. We need to sing it. We need to hear it. Uh, we need to be blessed in that truth. And I think as, we, uh, as we're in our study uh, at this point, this uh, weekend, especially, it's good to remind ourselves of the goodness of God because um, we're studying one of the prophets that didn't feel the goodness of God and was trying to respond to that. It's very, very powerful for us uh, this weekend. We've been working through these faces of these minor prophets that you'll see up here. I think we have them up there. We have a next slide. Okay. There they are. And those are not the original photographs. Okay. But... Uh, But the minor prophets, what I feel is that across the summer in our study, I've gotten to know these guys that I never, ever knew. And I'm really appreciative of our teaching team that has, uh, has helped me across the summer uh, in very, very powerful ways. I want to remind you, we don't do this every week, but I want to remind you of, of the major truths. We've had seven, we've studied seven of these prophets and we studied Hosea. And uh, the major truth was that God is faithful. Amen. And we'll go to extraordinary lengths to win back the affection of his people, even when they are unfaithful. And wow, it's powerful. Joel, uh, we learned from him that God is present. God is present. He doesn't abandon us. He's in the midst of uh, times of blessing and times of disaster. I mean, we studied about the locust disaster. Uh, that we may know he is the Lord, our God, and there is none else. There is no other Lord. There is no other God. We studied Amos and Amos showed us that God can call anyone to speak for him. Amos was this farmer that no one would have thought of. He said, I'm not, the, I'm not your guy, but uh, God can call anyone to speak for him. You got no excuse, whoever you are. And God calls his people to be both just and righteous as a reflection of his image within us. Uh, he wants to see that in us and God rejects empty religion and seeks to change our hearts, though he will judge the wicked, he will also restore his people. And so there's hope that is lifted up. We see that in a lot of these minor prophets. Obadiah showed us that our weakness is in fact a backdrop for God to display his strength in a way that changes the outcome and shifts the atmosphere. So we don't want to miss that, that we feel like we've had a time of weakness or failure or whatever it is, That's just a backdrop for God to shine. Jonah, we learned that God will call us to the place he needs us to proclaim the message of mercy and grace and repentance and running from his call is futile. Do you understand that? Know that? Uh, God can get really, really drastic in his efforts to get us where he wants us to be. He will use every method necessary to break the prejudices of our hearts so that his children might hear of his love. Uh, in the prophet Micah, we learned that darkness, the darkness of culture is the perfect backdrop against which God's people will shine brightest. And from Nahum, Nahum, uh, the Lord is true to his word. We, that's why we need so much to respect his word. That's why, why we seek to listen and honor his word. The Lord is true to his word. He is great in power. He will by no means clear the guilty, but do not lose hope. The Lord is slow to anger. He is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. We just sang about that. He knows those who take refuge in him. And so we are to take refuge in him. So we are now to the most difficult one to pronounce. Habakkuk. I was talking to someone. And they said it sounds like you got something caught in your throat when you say that. Uh, the Hebrew is even worse. It's habakuk. You want to try it? Habakuk. It's got a. It's got a clear your throat sound at the beginning. We're not going to do that, okay? <laughs> We're going to do because for us, habakuk, habakuk, uh, with the emphasis on the second syllable, is probably best. It's interesting. His name means to embrace. You might not feel it at first, but his name means to embrace, and it can also mean to wrestle. And Habakkuk was not afraid to wrestle. He was not afraid to embrace the hard questions or the hard issues or the mysteries of God in his plan. Let me ask you a question as we get started. Have you ever felt God was silent? Have you ever felt like maybe he's not even there? Uh, And it might have been a time when you were just crying out to him and saying, God, I've just prayed and prayed and prayed, and I'm listening, and I just don't hear anything. I talk to people, and they say, I just don't hear anything, and I don't know what's going on. I think God is silent. And if so, you will perhaps identify with the prophet Habakkuk, and you'll want to hear what he has to say. We're going to read just four verses as we begin. I want to invite you to stand and honor God's word. We want to always honor God's word. It's occurred to me a number of times that if the word is being read, God's talking. And I would never interrupt or talk to someone to the side when God's talking. So that's why we stand. We honor God and his voice. The oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet saw, the Lord. How long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong, destruction, and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all all of your prophets, those we call major, those we call minor, those, every one of them who have a voice, they have your voice, they bring to us your voice and speak to us. God, show us what we are supposed to hear. Let us hear. Let us respond in the way you would have us respond by your spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Can be seated. Habakkuk is sometimes called the questioning prophet. And I'm going to suggest to you there are a number of ways that we could talk about him. But he asks the question, boy, does he ever put it to God, the questions he has, which just as an aside at the very beginning, if you've ever, I've talked to people and they say, oh, I can't talk to God. Why not? Because I have questions that I I don't think he can answer. Well, listen, uh, Habakkuk just didn't shy away from that one bit. And if there are things that bother us in our world, any of you got a few things in the world that are bothering you? Yeah. Uh, We can bring anything and everything. We should bring anything and everything to God. He was not afraid to ask these tough questions. And much of the book is actually called, better, better called a lament. And we sometimes miss that, that in the Bible, there are these bursts of praise. We call them doxology, but there are also these laments before God. There's a whole book called Lamentations, and there are a number of laments. So what's amazing about the the worship of God and, and the worship we find scripturally is that no matter what's going on in your life, there's something there for you. I mean there there are passages of scripture that you'll go, "Boy, is this guy just reading my life right now because of the things I've been feeling, the things I've been going through?" All worship is not praise, but some worship is lament before God and we don't want to miss that. So let me clarify a little bit about that. All praise is worship. If it's if it's real praise, unless it's saying, "Oh, praise me." All praise is worship, but not all worship is praise. Because there's a lot of different things that are worship. The word is worship. There are a lot of different expressions. Some is musical, some is not. Some is prayer. Uh, some is groaning. Uh, some is silence. Silence. Let me show you a little bit later. Silence is a part, a piece of worship. Some is confession. Some is thanksgiving. All of that. And sometimes we kind of miss that because... I'll be honest, I like the happy part. I'm kind of like, if you'll kind of whip me into a spiritual frenzy, I want to praise God and I'll hope to feel better about things. But not all worship that is in spirit and in truth is praise. There's a lot of different expressions. So who is this Habakkuk, the prophet? Let's say his name all together, Habakkuk. Okay, and the key is just say it confidently. And if somebody looks puzzled, just Look back at them with confidence, and this is one that you need to do that on. But like a number of the prophets that we study, we don't know much about him. All that we know is right here. It's it's in this book, and these were honored as prophetic books in the Hebrew Scripture, in the Hebrew Canon. They're part of the Hebrew Bible. There's no question that he was viewed as a prophet, the terminology uh, leads many to believe that he was a professional prophet. What does that mean? It's sort of like when you say Luke the physician. And and this was Habakkuk the prophet. He likely had gone to a prophet school. There were a number of them that you find in the book of Samuel. In the time of Samuel, there were uh, prophetic schools that arose. He was very well versed in the Hebrew scripture. Uh, Many think that he may have been a priest, and and that was part of of his background. I believe that Habakkuk may well have been a worship leader. And I'll tell you a little bit more of why, why that is. He may have been a priest who worked with worship. And part of it is that the whole last chapter, the whole third chapter, is a psalm. It's an amazing psalm because it's not like anything else. And at the very end, there's this statement that says, for the choir director on my stringed instruments. (laughs) Mike, that's like the little note that's in there that says, okay, this is in the key of A flat, use a capo on fret four. (laughs) It's it's this musical direction that's here. So I I think, and many others think, that he may well have been a musician, a priest, and a prophet all, all in there. But he was a burdened prophet. And we get it from the very first verse. The very first verse begins, the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. And the word uh, translated oracle is masah. Say that with me, it's your second Hebrew. Masah, and it's, it means burden. You can actually translate the, the beginning of this to say the burden that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw, saw. And, and, and it also means something that won't turn loose. It's a burden, it's something heavy, but it won't turn loose. Have you ever had something that, that you couldn't turn loose of, but also it would not turn loose of you? And that's that's what he's talking about here, describing here. Habakkuk brings that burden to the Lord. And we are permitted to share in, and, and just observe this extended dialogue that goes on. It's just a marvelous, it's different from, really any other book and and very unique in that way. He begins with this cry, oh Lord, how long? I don't know if you've ever been there, but I know we have, and I know it kind of relates very much to the time that we are in right now. And I've sat with people in many different situations and maybe they were praying for healing or maybe they were seeking a job or maybe they were hoping to have a baby and they were saying, oh oh Lord, how long? How long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? He saw this violence going on in Judah in, in the area that he was. This viol- This violence against people by cheating, this violence by injustice, but also just violence against people. Now it's amazing because he uses two different Hebrew words that mean cry. The first means just simply a call for help. But the second one, you know, it's amazing when they use two words and the second one is different. The second one means to scream. That's why I read the scripture that way. In case you're wondering, his pastor, Jeff, he just had a good vacation and he's feeling dramatic. Okay. (laughs) It means to scream, to cry with a loud voice, to cry with a disturbed heart. Have you ever been there? And that's what he's talking about. Have you ever felt like screaming to God? Let me phrase it differently. Have you ever felt like screaming at God? And you've wondered, am I allowed to do that? Well, Habakkuk says so. He did and he didn't get zapped. He didn't get smitten. He's not, he didn't smoke. (laughs) So why was Habakkuk screaming? I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. And in verse three, he says, he tells us, he says, why do you make me see iniquity? Iniquity is sin, but it's that bent towards sin. Why do you make me see this? Do you ever feel like that sometimes? You know, I'm trying so hard. (laughs) I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I'm trying to seek you and worship you. And why is this going on all around me? Why are these horrible things around me? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? What are you doing, God? When I look around, I can see a lot of smiting that ought to go on. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise and the law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. Uh, The wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. There's a perversion of justice. In the world, basically, he's saying the world is coming unraveled around me, uh, and 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 those descriptions of violence, lawlessness, injustice—we've seen a lot of that, haven't we? I mean, I, it seems like every time we study one of these, I'm saying, "Wow, is this appropriate for these days in which we live?" I mean, you've seen you've seen the the reports. People walk into a store and just start. They're not just lifting a little, you know, uh, lipstick off the aisle. They're loading up and nobody, there's a the lawlessness in our land. And people are saying, what is going on? Why is this going on? We've seen destruction in our cities. The burning of buildings, you know, of, uh, of uh, government buildings. So we can relate. And then we talk about injustice. It's It's clear that the Rich were exploiting the poor, and they escaped punishment by bribery. And I don't know if you felt it, but every once in a while, I've just stepped back and I've said, "It seems like you can get away with anything if you got enough money." Yeah. So we we can relate, can't we? Now, don't misunderstand. I think we have the best justice system there is right now. I I don't I don't question that. But like in this time, it seems like if you got enough money and you can buy the dream team, you you can get off with murder or whatever it's going to be. Justice was perverted and the law was paralyzed. Um, Biblical injustice, I would define a little bit differently, but it's both the blatant disregard of the law and the perversion of the systems of justice oftentimes today when we talk about injustice it's mostly described as this person has something that i think i should have and that's injustice that's not what the bible talks about the bible talks about living in righteous ways and not perverting justice really so when was this horrible time when was this going on probably around 607 bc just before the fall of the southern kingdom Uh, Judah. So let me remind you a little bit. This is in the time of a divided kingdom. And Israel, the kingdom in the north, uh, had fallen to the Assyrians in 722 BC. It was gone. The fall of Judah in the south was coming in 605 BC. So if you can imagine, this was probably like two years before it's all coming and hitting the fan. Really, really bad. I could not help, but today think about what it's like in Afghanistan right now, where they're saying, I mean, we're getting reports of people saying, I know I'm going to be dead in a week or two weeks because I translated, because I, I helped, and I'm not trying to get political here, but to have that knowledge, and actually it's the same region of people. The Taliban are every bit as bad as the Babylonians who were coming. The king in Judah had been uh, pure evil, but we're headed toward this destruction in 586 that's gonna be the temple destroyed, the walls broken down. It takes 19 years for that total destruction to to finally come about. And Habakkuk is speaking in this time, the king in Judah was evil and he's seeing this and Habakkuk uh, has this, this dialogue with God about it. So God answers all those questions. Now, God will answer your questions. It might not be what you want to hear. That's the thing in this study is God answered the cry and he assured Habakkuk that he was at work even if Habakkuk could not see it. I mean, we have that in the New Testament. God is at work in, in all things, in all situations, for the good of those who love him. But sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And this was one of those times. So he gave Habakkuk a revelation of what's going to be happening, but not an explanation. Sometimes you'll get a revelation, but not an explanation. You'll still have some questions. God was about to do something amazing and incredible and shocking Here's what he was gonna do. He was planning to punish the lawlessness of the Jewish people by using the godless Babylonians, they're called Chaldeans, to do it. And this was stunning. I mean, it's like, are you kidding? What, why would you do that? In verse six, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that's the other name for them, that bitter and hasty nation, I wanted to say bitter and nasty nation, <laughs> who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. The Babylonians were known for just consuming and taking and consuming and taking. They were the cruelest people imaginable. And and we can imagine pretty cruel situations. The Babylonians were known for treacherous treatment of their enemies. And God was gonna punish the sin of Judah by allowing the Babylonians to invade and and then take the remaining Jewish people into exile for a period of time, for 50 years. Wow. God, are you sure? Why would you do that? And I'm reminded of, of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, where this truth, this word is spoken, that the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as son as a child. And so if he didn't love Judah, he wouldn't, this would not have happened. Well, you got some strange ways of showing your love. I mean, that's the question that he's gonna be coming back with. But we have to realize that God uses various tools to chasten his people. And those include war and natural calamities. We saw that with the locust disaster in Joel. And the preaching of the prophets. You say preaching of the prophets. I think sometimes he would have rather had the locusts than the preaching of the prophets. (laughs) These guys were strong. Scorching. And this is not the answer that Habakkuk was expecting. But God had warned his people time and again... Prophet after prophet have been rejected by God's people. And you can read a whole passage. I think I have it in uh, the electronic notes. Second Chronicles 36 tells the whole thing of how this happens. It's not the only time, by the way. When God is ready to bring them back out of exile, he uses someone that's not a believer. He uses a, a secular nation again. God can do anything God wants. That's the thing about God, isn't it? That's who he is. And so Habakkuk w- wasn't going to back down. He argued with God. <laughs> and he argued uh, in, in a similar way to what Jonah, the way Jonah argued. And, and he said, uh, you know, you're a holy God. How can you do this? Uh, you, how could you stand by idly as the wicked swallow up uh, your people? Uh, this is going to look really bad for you. This is bad PR <laughs> for God. Um, and, and, and the people, won't, they won't survive the savagery of the Babylonians. These were really, really bad folks that were coming in. And oh, by the way, the Babylonians are puffed up in their worship. And they worship power and violence. We see that in the world today too. So how could any of this honor God? Let me Let's reason about this, God. We often think we have a better idea, don't we? But we're reminded of this truth that came through the prophet Isaiah, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. That's why he's gone and I'm not. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You may think you have a great plan and a great idea. That's not my plan and my idea. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have to remember that. So God's answer will begin uh, with a call to watch, to just watch what's going on. In chapter two, Habakkuk writes, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. It's a watchtower idea. I'm gonna watch and see what happens next because You know, I've argued it out with you. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, he says. And so he's going to watch for that vision that's still coming. I'm going to look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He's been complaining. So in chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, the answer comes as a vision. The Lord answered and he says, all right, write the vision. Write this down. This is the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. That means when you read this, you're going to want to run away. For still the vision awaits. It's appointed time. It's not time yet. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. He's watching and this is This is what comes to him. We realize there are times um, when we will not have an explanation, but we will have a revelation. And that's what happens here. Here's a revelation of what's going to happen. I know you're not going to like it. (laughs) But he gives some reassurance uh, to his heart as he moves on. Judgment is going to come. And judgment is coming through the Babylonians, but believers will be spared. And there's this great gem of hope that we're gonna get to in a minute. Judgment is coming to the Babylonians. Don't think they're getting off the hook. Judgment is coming to the Babylonians and our call is simply to believe. You know, I mean, so many times we come back to that. He says, trust and obey, (laughs) believe. But it's really hard to believe right now. Believe, believe. And that's when we come to this gem and the gem is that the righteous shall live by his faith is the way it's it's phrased. And I love it because we often will say, you know, the righteous shall live by faith, but the righteous shall live by his faith, his faith in us, his spirit in us. And I have a picture there because it's been described as the gem, the diamond that's in the middle of this pile of soot. Because this is a hard book. I mean, this whole first part, this is hard stuff. This terrible; These terrible things are gonna happen. These terrible things are going on. And in the middle of it, there's this, there's this shimmering, shining diamond that the righteous shall live by faith. It's in verse four. Behold, his soul is puffed up, talking about Babylon. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. It's, it's so powerful. It's, it sparkles to us, this amazing statement. In fact, so much so that it's quoted three times in the New Testament. It's actually, it's the crux of the Protestant Reformation, faith alone. The righteousness is by faith. It's the center of Paul's theology. You're justified by faith, not by works. It's so powerful. Romans 1, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Galatians 3. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. These guys are quoting the guy they studied as little boys in Hebrew school. And Hebrews 10. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are called to live by faith. Wow. Then we get to chapter three. And this is the response. This is where all of this moves Habakkuk. And it's into praise. It's into worship. You know, Jonah and Habakkuk were both, you could call them frustrated prophets. We could call him the questioning prophet. We could call him the frustrated prophet. But their responses are different because Habakkuk, uh, he channeled his frustration into prayer and eventually praised to God. There's a real model here in our frustration. There's a real model here when there are hard things in the world that, we're, that are out of our control that we, you know, we cry out to God about. But Habakkuk, he channeled his frustration in that direction to praise and to worship God. Jonah chose to run from God. And eventually he pouted that the Ninevites repented. Like, I can't believe he did that, God. So the major truth I want us to get is this. When God seems silent, he is surely at work. So important. When he seems, and I, I'm now gonna use because I, I, I phrase this when God is I don't think God is ever silent. I don't believe God is ever silent. But when he seems silent, he is surely at work. In a world that is violent and puffed up by power and ravaged with injustice, the righteous of God are called to live by faith. That's the call that is upon us. Why do I say, say that? That, uh, that he's never silent. I've learned that when, when it, he seems silent, I'm not listening. Well, how do I listen? Well, in different ways. Sometimes I listen more to the, the dreams at, that I have at night. Or so I've I learned to like really listen in conversation. I've had amazing things where all of a sudden I'm talking to someone and I see an interaction going on and I go, thank you, Jesus. You've just shown me the revelation of what I needed for this other situation if we will listen. So what do we do when God seems silent? I wanna give you three things, just real short. First of all, bring your questions to God and then listen. Don't back off. Do you realize that God knows what's in your heart and your mind already? Sometimes people you know, will say that. They say, I can't talk to God because what I would say, he just couldn't hear. Oh, he's heard it all. There's not a thing you could say. And he already knows. He already knows. So bring it to him. I've told people, you know, I've counseled, I've said, you need to probably go out and scream at the waves a little while. But then listen. And I was struck by this. I found this this week that the word listen contains exactly the same letters as the word silent. So when, when he is, we think silent, we need to listen second thing is to seek righteousness as you walk by faith, as we walk in complete and whole trust in him. And then finally, the third thing is to bring a heart of worship before the Lord. Uh, walking by faith brings us from the why questions to worship. and also brings us from the worry of life to worship. And that's what God did here. He he wants to do in us is move us from from the worries that we have and the questions that we have into worship. I didn't know this, but I discovered it. I I just did a search. Habakkuk is the only book in the Bible outside of the Psalms that has the word Selah in it. It's the only one. What is Selah? What does it mean? We don't know exactly what it means, but it was used in the Psalms. It was used in worship, and we think that it means stop. And listen, sometimes people will say, stop, pause, and reflect. It means that you're not supposed to rush through everything, whether it's scripture or whether it's the psalm or, or the worship, but stop, reflect on that, pause, and listen. And it's a worship word. It's a powerful word. It's part of why I think he's, he's, uh, all of our worship leaders should connect with this prophet Uh, I mean, we want to connect with all of them because of of that. I want to do something different. It's not in your notes, okay? But I want us to, um, I want to read among us, uh, and we could read it all together, but I just want us to to hear um, Habakkuk 3. It's the prayer. It's the praise. It's the worship. And then we're going to stop at the Selah. So let's give our hearts and lift our hearts before the Lord. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens And his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashing from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. Selah. You split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed, torrents of water swept by, The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath, you strode through the earth and in anger, you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness, you stripped him from head to foot, Selah. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded, My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there is though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in God my savior The sovereign Lord is my strength He makes my feet like the feet of a deer He enables me to go on the heights For the director of music on my stringed instruments. That's Selah. Teach us how to listen, O Lord, for your voice, for your revelation. Teach us how to listen to one another and hear you as we listen for your words, Lord, teach us through the words and the hearts of wise leaders. Open our hearts to the messages that are difficult to hear. Give us revelation even when there can be no explanation. And Lord, on this weekend, reveal yourself to us In this supper of the Lord, this supper of remembrance, make yourself known to us in the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. needs uh, elements we have them ready for you just raise your hand on the night he was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body given for you take in the same way after supper he took the cup and he shared it with them saying this is the cup of the new covenant given in my name take and receive this in remembrance that Christ died for you Father God, we thank you that even in times of history that have been terrible and wretched, you have been there in your spirit to lift the faithful, to lift the hearts of those who seek you, seek righteousness, and will listen and walk by faith. God, may we be such people. We're so grateful for our Lord Jesus and the walk of faith. The walk of faith he made to the cross to sacrifice for us, and Lord, we rejoice in that knowledge. In Jesus' name, Amen. We do not receive a physical offering in our services uh, anymore, uh, but we do remind you we do have the receptacles and the uh, online methods for bringing your offerings. You know. The the fundamental meaning of the word worship in the Old Testament is offering. And so offering is very much a part of what it means to worship God. We're so blessed that you're here. Let's stand as we get ready to go. Uh, We're glad that you've uh, been with us in person or joined us online. And if you are here for the first time, we'd love to meet you. And I will be over at the table to your left where the lamp is lit. Let us go forth as people of righteousness walking by faith, justified by his grace that we receive by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.